Hello, and welcome to the Todd and Taylor Show. I'm Todd A, and with me is... Uh, Taylor Trask, me. And with us is... Emily Kelly! <laughs> Hi, Emily. Hi, Hi. <laughs> Very enthusiastic. Yeah, you. Uh, that's, that's great. I hope we're all um, energetic tonight because we have an awesome topic to talk about. We're going to talk about Wonder Woman. Yes. It's my ringtone now. That's how I wake up. Just keep going, Todd. Let's do that in the background. I don't. Okay. I mean, the greatest theme song of all time. I'm I'm just going to lay that out there. I seriously like that's how I woke up this morning. And usually I'm like, I hit my snooze like 14 times. And this was like, no, I'm up. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to like start the day. Whoa. Get up. <laughs> I uh perhaps I'm a glutton for punishment. I went back and watched Batman versus Superman, the extended cut last Ugh. week before I saw the movie. <laughs> um <laughs> and I knew that that theme was in BVS, yeah. but uh I didn't at the time at my previous viewings of BVS, I did not understand how intentional it is. Like it is Wonder Woman's theme, and mm-hmm. it's when she shows up. I always thought it was like the Justice League theme. Oh, but it's literally like even when she's like there, you'll hear this. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty cool. So anyway, um, I, I, we should hit, uh, before we hit first impressions, um, you know, one thing we always like to do is talk about how did we see this? What are the circumstances under which we saw this? So Emily, why don't you set us up? What day did you see this and, and how? I saw this on Thursday night. 10 15 it was late it was a late showing for me i'm getting older now but <laughs> oh also i had a vodka rita which is um god's gift to man at this point I, <laughs> i'm glad you brought that up i did see so, that on your instagram i believe so it um movie was lit because of because of the movie but also because of the vodka rita. so yeah so i saw it and i saw it in like regular D or whatever Regular I didn't see D's. it free because okay. I wear these gigantic glasses just in normal life. So mm-hmm. to wear gigantic glasses over my other gigantic glasses is not fun. <laughs> and the 3D never looks the same for me. So mm-hmm. we just saw it in regular regular 2D. Kind of lit. <laughs> uh Taylor, how about yourself? I saw it Saturday night, 9 p.m. Um that was the first time, I mean, because I couldn't do it the Thursday night. I really wanted to. I really wanted. And you know what? You mentioned getting old, Emily. Mm-hmm. There isn't, I have looked, and I don't think there's a Denver theater that does a Thursday midnight debut anymore. That used to be like my rite Ooh. of passage was to go to all like the summer movies at like the midnight Thursday showings. And they're all like 9 p.m., 10 p.m. We're, we're out of here by like 1030. So just, you know, that's, that no one is interested in, I think, staying out that long. So it's it's interesting that's shifted. I don't. I, I feel sad for youngins who have have won't have that opportunity anyway yeah uh, i saw it saturday night at nine at alamo draft house so i had how had a what's that how many d's three two? Oh, yeah sorry two just two um <laughs> they didn't yeah well and i you know i always like to unless the movie's like explicitly made for 3d i always try to 2d at first and if it feels like it might be worth a 3d i'll see it like a second time in 3d um just because that's interesting know, I, that you go 2d first and then 3d second yeah because like i feel like if you've seen it in 3d 
seeing it second time in 2D is just a, a lesser affair. You just feel like, eh, it just isn't as good. Where if you go yeah. the other way around, you're like, it's it's the next time you see it, it's just, it feels like it's new because it's- You're it's literally already gonna have a dimension added to it. Yeah, so. yeah. So there's, there's that. So, I mean, that's, and that was in the Yama Draft House is obviously a wonderful affair. So I had my, um, my uh, ginger lemon beer thing. What the hell are those called? Moscow Ooh. Mule. There we go. I had a Moscow Mule. Uh, not in the not in the copper cup. Uh, they neglected to put it in the copper cup. And then a had- sober person at this viewing. Um, <laughs> I went. Uh, I this is this is heartbreaking. But I had uh, tickets for Thursday night at eight p.m. and realized I could not make a deadline, <laughs> or uh, you know where I could cancel my showing and make a deadline. So um, that's what I had to do. And I rescheduled. I went to see it at 4 p.m. on Friday in IMAX 3D. The first time I saw it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then I went again yesterday to a matinee and saw it in the normal 2Ds. So, um, interesting. Yeah. I was wondering ah. if you'd seen it multiple times by this point. I, I, was, I was thinking about it. Obviously could not. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm so, yeah. Hit, hit me with the first impressions, Emily. Oh my God, you guys. Um, I just like, and I was so nervous. Like, I think I talked about this mm. at least on the Geek Directive. I was so nervous before. So, but first, I mean, it was just a good movie. Like, not just a comic book movie or superhero movie. It was just a good movie of like really good cinematography. The soundtrack was great. The acting was great. The, the chemistry between um, Gal and, and Chris Pine was really great. So, I mean, I just came out so happy of not just like, thank God that this was just a good movie, mm-hmm. but that it was such a good representation of the character and of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just, I was blown away. Like I'm so happy with it and happy with her and I just, man, I'm like still like days later, I'm like, this was a great movie, mm-hmm. like emotional. I'll tell you, I, uh, it's hard. I mean, because I did see it twice, I had, I had different emotions, uh, while seeing it. And, um, I know that in the first one, I had this like thought, like appeared, you know, fully formed in my head, much as, uh, that Greek lady busted out of Zeus's forehead. Um, Athena, but, uh, Athena, thank you. Um, but that, um, like in the middle of it, I went, Oh, my niece is going to grow up. This is going to be like her superhero kind of thing. You know, it's not like, you know, she'll get to 14 and see Supergirl or something mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know. There was a very powerful, powerful moment where I realized like, Oh, you know, and, and then I saw someone tweet about that today. Like yeah. there are girls growing up who are going to know the lady ghostbusters, you know, Wonder Woman, and that, that's like they're and Ray as a Jedi. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's a I don't know that that thought hit me the first time I saw it. The second time I saw it, this is really weird. When I saw it in the normal two Ds, um, I I was getting chills in every battle sequence and every like emotional moment, like just literal, like my whole body would be covered in chills, which was weird because I'd already seen all those things. I knew they were coming. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Taylor, what about you? What I mean, what was your initial takeaway from this movie? Oh, you know, and I, I said it going in, it just I, as the trailers and the previews kind of heated up and you got, you know, I, I was trying to kind of keep away, but every once in a while one would slip through and it just, it, you know, the, the pairing of music with certain scenes, I just, I knew we were sort of headed towards something special. Um, 
and it just it was a matter of like are they gonna is are they gonna just drop the ball or is this gonna be you know is this gonna be a level above and i i, I think they were yeah all signs pointed to this being a really cool thing now i am a glutton for complex uh female antagonists striving to fulfill their destiny and doing so like there there's just something about that that just gives you know if, if it was i always like to say like if it was i loved harry potter i did but if it was hermione potter instead you know and like that was i i would probably like it you know 10 times more just because it's that i'm just i'm a sucker for that stuff so to see you know like the first 10 minutes and i you know we don't want to talk about the whole thing right now but like the just the first 10 minutes um, you know, this girl who's excited to be, you know, like a hero and basically like striving to just be this, this thing she sees for herself. And then her mother finally sort of giving in like just that moment. I, I was immediately in tears. So from that, from that, that they nailed that, like in the first 10 minutes, you know, this, this girl who is going to be this thing and then you strive to, you know, for this greatness that they nailed it so perfectly. I just, the whole rest of it was like, uh, you know, icing on the cake for me. Yeah, I thought I was going to cry like more because everyone like in my feed was like, I'm crying. And I think I just like had some fire in my blood a little bit this week or something. But I did like I teared up in a lot of moments. But like I'm with you, Todd, of like sitting in the theater and this I had this I had much more of a visceral reaction like with Star Wars of like being such a huge Star Wars fan. Like I like Wonder Woman, but she's not, you know, my favorite. But of that little girls like my cousin's are gonna like that that this is that just is it makes sense to them like this is just normal to them like of course that women are heroes and jedis and generals and stuff like duh of course because wonder woman so i i cried a little bit i think in the beginning because i was like <gasps> like looking at around in the theater it was 10 15 so there weren't any like little girls but i was looking for them like oh you have no idea the struggles of like growing <laughs> up without these things they're like so lucky. Like these kids are so, so lucky to have the, in the last couple of years, these great heroines, including now Wonder Woman. Oh, I, so I had this, one of the really weird uh, experiences of the two different ways that I saw it was um, uh, at my local IMAX theater, I've sort of shopped around in the seat department to figure <laughs> out, like I'll, I'll often go like to an afternoon showing or something and just try to find like the right seat. Um, so I've, realize like if there's going to be a huge crowd and I want to be in the center, I actually go, there's like that row that is, um, has, uh, the disabled seats in it. Mm. And so it, it has like, there's like a lane through it, like a walkway. So you're just, you're not in, you know, there's no row in front of me so I can mm. stretch my legs out. Um, but the result of that is that no one sat in the front two rows that are separated through that little, little path. Uh, cause I went at four, 4 PM in the afternoon. So there's nobody there in the first two rows. They were all behind me. So I couldn't hear people's reactions or like mm. feel them around me. So it, ver it felt very much like I was watching this movie alone on this giant screen, except that some dummies kept walking right in front of me. But, um, <laughs> so it was very weird. Then I, so then when I did see it at the matinee, it was, it was a ton of families. And even if it wasn't families, it was like, uh, like there'd be a, there was a group of teenagers on both sides of me where it was like a mixed, you know, boys and girls um, who had all come out to see this movie in this matinee. And so I don't know, there was just a, I don't know that I have any like direct uh, things to draw from that. It was just a very different crowd. And to hear people's reactions to things was, you know, was really interesting. I didn't hear anybody crying though. That's what I saw on all my feeds too. That, <laughs> just silent know. crying. Yeah. <laughs> girls are really good at silent crying. 
<laughs> yeah, I think I got I got kind of choked up at one point. Taylor and I were talking about this on text, and I I just can't even remember where the moment was. I got choked up the first time I saw it, but then, like I said, when I saw it yesterday, I was so almost more excited because I already knew it's like a good mm -hmm. movie. So I think um, sort of what we've we've all talked about that I had lost that apprehension that something might be bad in the movie. <laughs> um, but let's talk about that for a second. So looking at the DC Cinematic Universe. I, we all had a pretty good reason to be apprehensive about this oh, movie, God, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus! Yeah. Like, I mean, let's 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 just count through them, right? Like, since the Dark Knight Rises, we've had Man of Steel, we've had Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, uh, and now this one. And now this, yeah. It seems like there was one other one that we're missing. Maybe it just feels like those other ones were. <laughs> it, it does feel like there <laughs> should be feels... one other one. Wow, right? that's gross. Isn't that weird? Like you're just like, and then we're not counting Watchmen. Obviously, that's not that's not. The no, thing no, that's that's not canon. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so we've had that many, you know, that many, and, and it, yeah, it feels like there should be more, but it's it, it's they it's weren't all uneven, for sure. What's that? Been uneven, right? Yeah, yeah, uneven to say the least. And I was telling someone on IO9 this very same thing. DC seems to have. Uh, you know, every understanding of how to really develop great content on every other media and platform except for film. Like their video games are spot damn on. Like the Injustice game is amazing. Their mm -hmm. TV shows are amazing. Their comics are amazing. But the films, are, you know, just they just sort of, ugh, they just can't figure it out. And I don't understand that. And the fact that Warner Brothers and DC are all intertwined, it's not exactly like Marvel and Disney, you know, where Disney doesn't own the the IP, you know, the comic IP. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Warner Brothers, like you'd think that the Warner DC, you know, sort of mind fest would really be locked in, especially on, on the film side. Like the film side would be like the, you know, 10 times what we see on the, on the Marvel side, as good as it is, just hasn't happened. So, you know, there's there was every reason to think of, and especially with you know some of the usual suspects producing or, or being involved, like the Snyders or a couple other Warner Brothers executives. You you were left to wonder, well, how much control did Patty Jenkins have? How much you know, or the was that other co-writer slash main writer? I forget his name. Um, the main guy they listed as writer. How much? Right. Oh, how much was he affected by you know the studio or what have you? you, you anything could have. As, as well-intentioned as this probably was from a lot of people, anything could have derailed that. And, and so it, it was just such a delight to see this just sort of escaped all that. It was almost like, you know, like when they have the, uh, you know, the turtles that swim back to their mom or, or <laughs> that swim back yeah, at, or at the end of the year. You know what I'm talking about? Like this is no Yeah, anyway. they return to their birthplace. Yeah, they return to their birthplace. And like some of them don't make it. It's And like the ones that do are like the strongest, best ones. It almost <laughs> seems like that's what this is. Like DC sent out all these like movies and some of them were going to be terrible, but the, the strong ones, God damn it, they're going to make it back into the public consciousness and, and be different, you know, and break, you know, escape the clutches of, a certain doom so <laughs> well emily did you had you seen suicide squad yeah yeah and so you've was, seen all the dc movies i actually i have not seen man of steel <gasps> really? i'm sorry okay. i know i don't know why i think when i when it came out i just like missed it and then now i just haven't seen it like all this time and i know it's pretty decent like it's not terrible so i need to see it but yeah so i just think and people i mean i'm guilty of it too we talked about this on the geek directive a lot too that people would always accuse us of like you hate dc like you never say anything good so i'm gonna say something good about dc like <laughs> i hope that i hope that this movie is a testament not just to the filmmakers and the writers who did it but that dc itself has started to finally learn from its mistakes yeah. with the when other you say dc are, when you say dc are you speaking more about warner brothers 
Yeah, I'm speaking more about Warner Brothers, I okay. suppose. Um, well, the WB, headed now by Jeff Johns, who I think is the totally appropriate choice to try to write this ship of that Marvel has the same kind of guy in in Kevin um, Feige, of that he's sort of the overall head of these movies, but that he lets the writers and directors of each individual movie kind of have their own, you know, style and way. Um, and I always appreciate what Zack Snyder has tried to do is trying to, trying to blend these very different worlds together in his own cinematic style. But I think they, that he was not so involved in this project was good. Um, yeah. Yeah. That that they re- I think uh, you know again like you said Taylor you you don't know how much control they actually had but they really did a good job of kind of letting Patty Jenkins who's a really good um, director in these kind of small did, female female focused monster before she yeah. directed Charlie Theron to an Oscar for God's yeah sake. so it's yeah. like she's really good in these moments of like intimate but also violence yeah. of that sometimes they're one and the same as well intimacy and violence. So I think letting her, you know, she was definitely the right person for this project. And that's what Marvel has always had going for them in the director department, Mm -hmm. that they have picked people who were right for that story, not just people that they liked or like people that they'd worked with before. Um, Like David Ayer (laughs) started started calling out bro, but I'm just (laughs) suicide squad was, was a whole mess. Um, so yeah, I, but obviously we were all very nervous and I'm super glad that, that this all worked out for the best. And I can only hope that going forward, Justice League, I think Aquaman is next after that, that those will also follow suit of that. The people who are assigned to these projects and are working on these projects are still taking the vision into account, but that maybe want to tell, tell a less sort of dark and cranky story i suppose yeah it seems like i mean for for me it's it's and seeing what the the sort of early footage from aquaman looks like or just sort of like you know random trailer asides i don't there hasn't been an official trailer but they've leaked you know footage here and there it seems like even if even as good as wonder woman was you still can't escape the Zack snyder crayon box it's like they have to use certain production aesthetics even if the everything else is kind of different or has broken the mold, like you still have to kind of visually fit in that world, which I'm not, I wish, you know, when we think back like the, the John Favreau Iron Man movies looked not at all like the uh, Captain, uh, Captain America movie that was done. You know, the, the first one looked yeah. nothing at all like the Thor movie and like, and then Avengers kind of incorporated kind of the best of the best in that visual style but there was a different sort of feel and vibe and this kind of all seems like it has to be this which is you know to me that's so weird because i to me it would it would almost work better the opposite way like if marvel decreed all of our movies are going to look exactly alike yeah yeah (laughs) that would almost work better for me and dc should say all our movies are going to look totally different and yeah i I would completely agree yes comic landscape has totally changed since I heard this comment. I mean, it's been like 10 years since I heard an artist make this comment, but I've brought it up before because it, it frames so much of how I think about Marvel versus DC, where this artist who I think had worked for both said, Marvel is, uh, they're, they're, they're uh, so concerned about Canon and keeping everything in Canon. So it makes it like a fan's paradise because mm-hmm. everything will connect to everything eventually. But DC they don't really care so much about canon. So it becomes a creator's paradise where creators can tell whatever story they want 
with these heroes, you know, and so many of their heroes are basically like mythical tropes of like Superman or Wonder Woman or Aquaman or something that they can go in any direction with it. You know, it's like Greek gods or something. They can just, you know, paint with their own brush. So to me, it's always felt weird to, for the DC to even DCU to even try to unify a cinematic universe. Like I, that's where I've always like come back to when I think of these movies is why are we even trying to make these look (laughs) like they're in the same world? You know, they should, they should be like crazy different. They should be crazy different. And like, they have the, uh, like, it just, we've, now that we see what it is like when they are all in the same world, it's just, it's too boring. Like I want to see, you know, a color, a color palette or a point of view, even, you know, like they could be, they could do a really like nineties cop vibe version of the flash. That might be amazing. You know, that wouldn't (laughs) be, You know what I'm saying? Like that wouldn't have like that sort of that just that high that car commercial look to it that everything seems to have right now. It you know what I'm talking about? Like it's, it's good. It would have yeah. more of a, a, a nice kind of down home. I mean, it could be shot on a 4K camera. It doesn't have to be like a bullcrap 90s camera, but that sort of sensibility. You know, like just to see what that would. Look I mean, like. if they made the Flash look like Kung Fury, it would be. <laughs> oh my god! I I'll tell you another reason why Wonder Woman was so important, and I know it was on the calendar already for you know, release now, but last year, uh, we don't put this in the canon of the DCEU, but boy, did that killing joke really oh, suck. Yeah. yeah. To have Suicide Squad and Killing Joke in one year it was, it was awful. It was rough, yo. Yeah, actually, and Batman rough. versus Superman. All of those were last year, right? Oof. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, BBS was the earliest part it, of last year. Yeah, yeah, it was like, BVS was kind of like set us up like, ooh, things aren't looking great. And then there was a just <laughs> one-two punch over the summer of Killing Joke and Suicide Squad. And I could possibly like, I, I mean, if, if you two would allow me, and I won't do it tonight, I would bore you to tears trying to explain Batman versus Superman and it's good points. <laughs> <laughs> I've already but, told you that movie for me, I can forgive almost I can forgive everything else, but you gotta get rid of, of Jesse Eisenberg as Lex. Yeah, like that he <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. I mean, I can stomach, you know, Batman shooting some people every once yeah. in a while. Or yep. like or Superman being like mean face, but Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor was just a travesty. I'll even give you Martha. I'll even give you Martha as long as you care to like give me a freaking army hammer. (laughs) Give me anybody else as Lex Luthor. And we're good to go. Well, anyway, my (laughs) my point (laughs) would be I've watched that several times to try to make sense of it. And Suicide Squad, I I watched recently with the same thought of maybe this will make a little bit more sense on the second viewing. And <laughs> it's even worse to oh, me. Yeah. I, now I have yeah. some friends that have said like, ah, it gets better. You know, it's a typical superhero movie or something, but to me it's much worse. Cause all the plot holes just stand out. Like mm-hmm. nothing makes sense in that movie. Anyway, moving on, we should actually talk about some of the cool stuff in wonder woman. Yeah, They're doing good. They're doing good. We got to pat them on the back and send them on their way. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, there, we, you gotta, you gotta give credit when credit's due. Come on. Who is this? Who are you talking about? <laughs> Warner Brothers doing, you know. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's give them, let's talk about the good thing they've done. Yeah, yeah great. Um, I, was there a scene, like you, you, we're all probably looking at the same document of notes that I made, but was there a scene that really like, you know, quickly let you know, like gave you faith in this movie? And, it, and if so, what was it? And Emily, what would you say to that? Man. Um, I really liked 
it's so hard. I mean, there were so many good ones. <laughs> right. Like, I know. Is, this is hard. Um, well, I wasn't trying to lead it somewhere because I, I think okay. the whole thing with the little girl is so awesome. But when the battle of uh, Themyscira starts, I, I, I mean, like that, like I've already said twice, that just gave me so many chills yesterday. Yeah, I, were you surprised? So were you surprised that was so early on? Based on the trailers, I thought that was going to oh, be like yeah. one of the oh, like in the yeah. finishing move or something. I was just like, "Holy crap!" Now, as like, really? soon as they showed like little Diana tr- watching them train, all I was thinking was, you know, was like, I, I, I think it was uh, Carly Lane that tweeted, you know, give me a movie called Daughters of Themyscira. And, oh uh, yes, yeah, you know, and uh, I'd seen oh, that before I went in. So as soon as that started, I was like, "Oh yeah, let's have more of this." Like I, I was already kind of, you know annoyed thinking like oh they're only going to be here for like 10 minutes you know yeah. where where are they going so to get that battle so quickly just ah man that's just like what a what a send off to the movie i th- i was very happy yeah that was but. super good and i mean and just like the fight choreography was really really on point and i I'll, i was going to say this too when we were talking about the Snyderverse earlier but i think his style of film actually worked really well for this movie like his kind of muted color palette Ooh. plus the bright color palette but that also that really cool uh slow-mo fight stuff yes, that he yeah. he that, that i fell in love with watching 300 yeah and and sucker punch was so badass in those scenes where especially for diana because and it makes sense for her because she is definitely extraordinary you know that that her abilities are above what a humans are as all are the amazons and just oh, robin wright man like what a Connie oh, nielsen I mean, God, yeah, like what a career revolution for like Robin Wright in these last like five years with House of Cards and now Wonder Woman of just like, dude, what? I just sidebar. (laughs) Have you guys seen the Barbie uh, Antiope doll? No. No. What? Yeah, it exists. Is it good? Barbie has a line of like Wonder Woman dolls and the Antiope or or however I'm going to pronounce that wrong because they all said it differently. Yeah. Wow. Look at Princess Buttercup. Wow. Yeah. I I mean, it's like $45. Oh, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. It looks so bad. I work work with Mattel sometimes that I will ask for their discount and they will buy me this Antiope. Yeah. It's killer. I want it. I need it. God. <laughs> but did anybody well, here's a random question for you and like and this is that fight scene's important for you know just it's sheer epic epicness like we discussed but there is a, a, a hot second when i was thinking okay somehow antiope is going to be like one of the villains in this whole thing and like you know she's going to betray and kill the queen and like and i was i was constructing the movie i thought they were going to do in my head as you do you know yeah. especially because you're trying to like just play that second guest dc game and when then it wasn't that at all and she was just like a cool <laughs> strong aunt who you know sacrificed herself i was like holy shit this is this is not going to be predictable uh and that was and all of a sudden that kicked in a new level of of excitement because i'm like man they're gonna they might pull some fast ones on me i love that you brought that up because i was put on notice that they were going to make tiny decisions right before that battle where uh hippolyta discovers antiope training diana and they have a like honest to god conversation about it (laughs) Yeah, which you never see in a movie. Like you always see the, you know, the one mother take like a a staunch yes no position, and then the other person take a staunch, you know, opposite position, and that's that's how it goes. And then they yeah. have to defy yeah. him anyway. Where they actually yeah. have like a reasonable thing where you know, and Typey's like, you you know, he's still around. Like Ares is still here. You feel it in your bones, like I do. And then Hippolyta is convinced, and that was when I was like on notice, like, oh, they're 
Yeah. They're not going to make decisions differently. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. That, that was it's, a tiny little point. And then when Diana leaves the island and Hippolyta also says like, you know, I don't want you to go, but I, I know I can't make you stay. It was like, yeah, that, wow. What a grown up way to approach this instead yeah. of, I, I will give, I will say that scene. I wanted just a little, tiny bit more of emotional punch. Cause on one hand you're like Diana. Yeah. She's excited to finally go off and to fulfill her destiny, but it almost seemed like she wasn't quite sad. It almost like it was, you know, her, the goodbye was a little bit muted, right? Because even even um, uh, Hippolyta was like, you know, you, once you leave, you can never come back. She's like, yeah, okay, bye bye, and just like sails <laughs> off. Ya. She, yeah, said, just she like, said, you may never come back. Exactly, but just I want not, not like you're not allowed, but like you might not be able to. Exactly, and so but just the threat of that. You think that this girl who's only known this and you know is the youngest among them, and everything, there would be just something else, just a little extra like you know tear or something shed but you know it's i'll i'll, I'll I, give it a I think but. though that's like so typical diana though of like that she's willing to never see her mom and her family and everyone she's ever known again to do the right thing like to to be a hero like that she's willing to give all that up to help people that she doesn't even know or care about and that's sure. why i love love those scenes too and it's so different from a lot of other superheroes even dc marvel doesn't matter so and just in particular male heroes because that's really the only ones we've seen so far of mm. that they're always very begrudgedly they take on this yes. hero-ness yes. you know like they're like oh good like i have yeah. these special powers like i guess i'll go save the world and diana's <laughs> like see you later mom i'm gonna go save the world because it needs saving like that she doesn't back down from the fact that she is a hero and that she could save people ever. Yeah, she, she just goes for it. A great point. Yeah. And that never, yeah, at no time does that stop. Like, you know, when she actually is, is more, it makes her being shocked by things like war and human suffering, like all the more impacting because you, you know, it's coming from an absolutely pure place. Like they were really smart to make her an incredibly plucky little kid. You know, I, that, mm -hmm. that never lost that. So then by the time you see yeah. that other stuff, you're like, oh my God, this this is her. Like, she's not, you know, she didn't affect that as like a, it's my duty. So I guess, like you said, uh, um, you know, in terms of the, the male heroes, that, mm -hmm. that just wasn't there at all. I, yeah. I love that you zeroed in on that because I wasn't thinking that you, like, you've put this together for me where, uh, Taylor, I'll disagree with you on the sadness thing. Like, I think when I watched that scene, I wanted something also, like I wanted a little bit more emotional, like, you know, something from Diana in that moment. But I, what Emily's saying, maybe if I can like push this a little farther along is that Diana's whole heroic quest is what just pushes this movie along. Yeah. And yeah. after that, there's never a scene. There's never like a bad beat in this movie. You know, no. it just keeps marching onward. And so much of that is that she has this mission, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, wow. So in many ways, that little tiny scene and like how she doesn't, you know, it doesn't have more of an emotional, like, uh, sappiness, like, kind of defines it because she just has to march out and mm -hmm. yeah. do her thing. Yeah. Well, that speaks to the culture of the Amazonians, too. Like, the, that could just be, uh, right. Know, they're all, they're just the strong, very British, just strong, dignified. <laughs> we shan't, we shan't shed a tear here today. Then, you know, send a mother. <laughs> By the way, isn't it, isn't it badass that Gal Gadot, you know, she has the Israeli accent. Instead of forcing her to, to fix that or change or affect an American one for this, they're just like, okay, everybody in Amazon is going to have that same exact accent. So everybody else talk like her. You know, yeah. it's just like that was so it, – it, A, it served it, – it, it heightened the creative choices – 
because you're just like, oh, cool, they have an accent. Of course, that makes sense. That that puts us at a level above what we've seen before. But it was such a cool idea to yeah i love that <laughs> but instead yeah. of just like i mean like they took a they took a, a a technical challenge in terms of their you know their cast and just went okay we'll, we'll just work around it and mm-hmm. it's just like wow that you know just that alone well now that said uh i believe she does have an american accent in all the fast and furious does she really <laughs> yeah, yeah so, kind of it's like t- it's like yeah so yeah i don't think it's that she can't do one i just think no. it was a unique choice to say it's to um probably to all english-speaking people it's like it's an accent we can't really place yeah you know, it's not yeah. Really yeah. european and it is it is mediterranean in its way and yeah you think that the mascara is like kind of a greek island sort of yeah. thing yeah so and i think too i mean i saw a lot of you know <laughs> hand wavy articles about like a wonder woman's not american enough anymore and it was like okay oh, well i mean she wasn't really ever and it's like yeah. i get and you know people's <laughs> arguments are very valid you know she was invented during world war ii her and her creator is american the tv show she was very american you know the stars and stripes shorts and, and stuff but i mean she was always like before and the i saw the best argument is that this um uh, themiscara is a retcon, you know, that she wasn't from this place called Thera, Thera, uh, Themyscira until quite recently, like within the last 20 years or so, 15 years. Yeah. But still, like, she was always the son, or always the daughter of Hippolyta, who yeah. was the daughter of Zeus in some way, or blessed by the Greek gods. So she was never, ever American. I'm sorry. But um, so I really liked that they just let her be foreign i guess and that's offensive offensive to some people but look i just i just, just love that there's her, some man. i love that there's some guy sitting out there on his computer like i'll tell you what my, my <laughs> wonder woman better have a bald eagle strapped across her chest right <laughs> going you know it's just like who is who is this that's like that has this complaint like, honestly at the <laughs> my eyes just glazed over when i saw those headlines <laughs> because uh and possibly i'm just very old for remembering this but when um the return of Superman came out with, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Brandon Ralph. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brandon Ralph. People made that same, um, now a certain, you know, portion of the population made that same critique of that, of like, because there's a line in it where, uh, Perry White sort of blows off the, like, um, the, you know, whatever that dumb thing he says about the truth, justice in the American way or something. He's like truth, justice, oh, yeah. and whatever that other stuff is or something like that. Yeah. And so all these, you know, this certain, uh, certain political faction was like, Oh, they're making Superman un-American. Oh Jesus. And that was, you know, what, 12 years ago or whatever. It's so this is going to be a complaint that, that you, no, I, that, I remember at the time being like, what a stupid complaint. <laughs> like, Oh God. <laughs> com- there's thing. obviously no political, you know, motive in the movie for it. It's just kind of the irascibility of that character. So I like that word um, irascibility. <laughs> I don't know if that is a word, but uh well, it, um it, I, I'm let's am I, I don't want to skip ahead too much because there's there's a bunch of great stuff when she um well I'll just put this to you, Emily. How, how did you feel about the uh Steve Diana relationship? I really how, like how, how it starts and everything. Sorry. Okay. I really liked them uh, because I felt like their relationship had an evolution to it, which is really hard to do, especially in one Mm. movie of that. When he, you know, when she first saves him and then the battle starts, he's like, get behind this rock. Like, don't go out there. You know, like I'll protect you. Like I'm a big man guy. You know, I know you just jumped off a 
you know, 50 foot cliff to save me, but like, I'll, <laughs> I'll protect you girl. Um, and then by the end, you know, he just kind of trusts that he has a job to do and she has a job to do. And yeah. he just wants to tell spoiler, sorry, that she, he just wants to tell her that he loves her and that they, that they go on their ways, you know, to, to be heroes together. Um, and I just, I really like Chris Pine, like in anything that he does, I just think he's really, uh, personable and just very naturally funny. And so I think he was a really good Steve Trevor and he was a good, um, you know, a partner for her, uh, anytime he opens his mouth and says words, I just like, nod. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do that. That sounds authoritative and let's just go do that. He has that very captain, you know, Kirk, that's why, that's why he's captain Kirk. You know, he he, he makes you want to follow him, I guess. So, and I just like that he, he, he was fully aware after no man's land especially that she was not only the most beautiful woman in the world but the most badass woman in the world and he loved that about her like that he could not believe he had been lucky enough to be with this woman and he still tried to protect her and keep her from doing things but he still you know he came to value her as a partner um and i'm sad that he may be gone (laughs) so i well, Taylor, I'll get your impressions on the Steve Diana relationship and what'd you think about Chris Pine? Uh Chris Pine was absolutely delight. He was as charming. Both of them together were as were as charming as the movie Kingsman. Like, and you know how much I love Kingsman. I'm serious. That was I love my that that's your gold standard. <laughs> it, it, always. Always. From now until the end of time, it's got to measure, meet that standard. But no, I just remember sitting there like halfway through going, oh my God, they're so charming. And I would I didn't think they would be. Just seeing them paired together yeah. and knowing how they've been sort of in other situations. I'm like, how are these two going to have any kind of chemistry at all? Like just, you know, ahead of time, ahead of going into the movie. I just couldn't. I, I was just, it was like, I'm like, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but man, how's this going to work? And pretty much again, once, you know, they meet for the first 10 minutes, I'm just like, God damn it. These guys are cute. And then they just sort of like, <laughs> it just continues and continues and continues. And by the time we get to him saying, I love you, it's earned. You know, it's completely yeah. earned. You don't feel like, oh, they just had to say, they just added that. Like you feel it, but it's, it's not like, uh, it's not a, you know, oh, I'm just, it, this is complete romantic love. This is a, hey man, we've been through some shit together and you're the most amazing person I've ever met, but we're still doing cool shit. And I just, man, I just love you so much. And oh God, it just it had that feeling of like, it, you, it was based on the series of events that preceded it. Right. Yeah. Like it wasn't, you know, couched in some you know, overarching or you know, overreaching character thing. So I really like that, just that they took that approach to it. And then here's the other interesting twist. Steve Trevor is the sexualized character in the show or in this movie, right? Like, in, you yeah. know, there's, if anybody, and, and, and I was, I was thinking too, like the, a lot, all the Amazons, they're beautiful, but you don't ever feel like they're sexy, you know, in, in the, in the, in the glamorized sense, they're sexy in a very strong way, but not in like the, you know, the chitsy Hollywood showbiz way. They're not right? sexualized. Sexualized yeah. in that way. Yeah, exactly. So it's like at no time in, 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 and I'll talk more about Wonder Woman in that regard in just a minute, but like, you know, they kind of just put that in Chris Pine's lap and he more than, you know, sort of steps up to it. So it's just kind of interesting that, that, you know, that, that a, a man kind of has to take the burden of that for, for once. It was kind of refreshing to see, you know, the, you know, the switch is just like, Oh good. This is yeah. Well, I will I'm, say about the Amazons too. Sorry that um, the one friend guy companion had it right of that. You're both terrified and aroused because yeah, of that you're yeah. just like, you could snap every bone in my body. And I kind of want that. I like it. I don't know. Like what's your well, number girl? Like, do you have a boyfriend? 
Like when, the when Taylor said they aren't sexy, I literally tilted my head like a dog when it like kind of thinks it hurts. I was like, huh? No, no. Let me let me better explain that. This, <laughs> no, but I know. I know. But this is they're not in slinky dresses or like in there's bikinis a, popping out of the water. There's a lot of them flipping yeah. around in like tiny skirts, and it's not <laughs> shot in in a way. And that's a little difference probably between this and Sucker Punch. Yeah, is wow. that there's bit, always yeah. a creepy element to Sucker Punch. <laughs> Let me, let me let me let me get to the bottom of that because like when I say when I kind of said they weren't sexy, what I did no, I weren't giving you a hard time. Oh no, but what I, what I mean, and this is like this is the the probably the best aspect of this for me. Like when I thought back, like what what overall is like my favorite thing about what this movie did? It showed us a character that is uh, in, in Gal Gadot and in Wonder Woman. That's just that's gorgeous. That's intelligent. Um, you know, a physical powerhouse, charming as hell. But at no time. Are you like thinking, oh, I'm going to do, like, at least in my case, at no time are you thinking like, oh, I'm going to do her later. You, you don't love her for that. You love her for her heroism. You love her for like what she's like, what she aspires to be in her achievement of that. Like, that's what you love her. That's what you're in awe of her for. Right. You're not like, like it just, it, she doesn't, she eschews all those like, you know, cliche, you know, sexualized, you know, sort of parts of, of what women have to do in movies. And she just makes you believe in her. Well, and it's just and like, that's to, such amazing, an amazing magic trick. To sure. put it in like really like concrete terms, right? Cause I, th- I mean, we know where you're, you're coming from. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> uh, in fast five, um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about fast and furious for the rest of the podcast now uh, in fast five. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's not in that movie for very long before there's the scene where it's like, well, how are you going to get the whatever thing from that? His handprint guy over there. Yes. Handprint. That's right. And it's like, she's like, I've got my ways or whatever and drops her sarong. And there's literally like a 15, 20 second, just ass shot of her in a bikini, you know, walking over to this guy so that he will put his hand on her butt. So she'll get his palm print off of that. And it's like, that's the opposite of wonder woman. Yes. (laughs) And I mean, I just, I mean, it's so true. And I think this is a really good indication of like films about women by women will be different like that. You know, films about women by men will all, you know, the wokest dude in the world may be different, but like movies like Fast Five by dudes for dudes. uh, Yeah, it seems like that. And then in Wonder Woman, for women and dudes also by women. Yeah. So... Well, and, yeah, and you know, fast. None of the fast movies are really about the women at all. Like, even no. when they're like, we got strong women. You know, it's they're not about, about the, them. They're the still cars, obviously. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> let's not derail on that. I was going to go back to the Steve Diana relationship <laughs> and tell you that on the, one of the great things about that second viewing was, you know, as apprehensive as I was about a, a lot of the stuff was there's some kind of quick beats in the Steve Diana relationship and. I kept going like, oh, don't, you know, don't like, I don't know, don't go too far with this. You know, like yeah. there's the whole whirlpool room when she shows up and I, it's just like, I, just given the kind of nature of things, it's like fraught with where, you know, please don't misstep here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what that misstep would look like. Um, but, I almost don't want to imagine it even. It's just when like the <laughs> boat scene, you know, when she lies down and she's like clearly like kind of tapping her fingers, you know, because they've broached the subject of of sex and and it was like oh man don't let there be a kiss or something right here yeah, and so exactly. seeing it the second time where i was so reassured that all those beats <laughs> were going to play out yeah. the right way yeah just, it felt so much better um i yeah i i you know i 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I can go with that besides, boy, it, they really did that relationship very well. I think what you both said about them, like earning that relationship and Emily, you were saying like they, mm -hmm. they actually have an arc to that relationship. It's really huge. We just don't see that. You know, we're just so used to like, um, you know, there's a, a awkward, embarrassed, naked scene. And then there's like yeah. <laughs> a, a way too familiar first kiss. And then it's like, you know, it's like, I, when they end up together after the no man's land battle, it's like, yeah, of course, obviously. <laughs> and you don't. And what's nice about that too is that you don't really know the extent of how they quote unquote ended right. up. You could have just sat and, and kissed and talked all night. Like you just you don't know. Yeah. yeah. My favorite thing about that was like people were like, oh, "Is that Diana's first kiss?" I'm like, "Girl, no." Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> she says in the boat, doesn't she? She alludes to the fact that she's like, you know, we've uh, we've understood all the different ways of the pleasures of the flesh, and we well, don't. She, yeah, and she says like she learned it from a book, but then, and I don't know how much of like she put, her, comic she put the bunnies put bunny ears up a book, yeah, a book, but of like now she is bisexual, like in in comic book canon. So, but it was just really cute. Of like people are like, "Oh, so innocent." I'm like, "Oh, you don't even know." You yeah. don't even know. Well, now on again, on my second viewing, when um, Antiope gets shot and Hippolyta comes to her side and Diana comes to her side, and then there's one Amazon that oh, yeah. bolts across the field oh, to yeah. her side. I thought that too, Todd. I see where you're going with and this. And the second time I saw it, I was like, yep, that, yeah. that's her partner. Yeah. Um, I believe... It's the woman that um, when they're in the training scene, it's the very first time you see them. And there's like this like big shot where they kind of like zoom in on Antiope walking over. And she asks this other woman, like, how are they? And that woman's like, oh, they're good. They're very good. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think so. She's like her second kind of. I think. Yeah. So I'm sure she has a name. Yeah. I don't want to, you know. Um, I, yeah. I don't no, want to read, read too much into that. But I think I think that was the direction of that relationship was where they were going with that sorry mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um i you know now that we've talked about steve we can talk about this next amazing scene that uh obviously changes the movie for us which is the no man's land scene um discuss oh, <laughs> i don't man. even know how to how to jump off there uh, I just like my my first reaction was like when he kept going like they've been here for two years or whatever or whatever the time was and he goes no man can cross it I just go I just whispered to myself like I'm no man yeah, I, that's a, totally yeah. what I expected too <laughs> like, I'm glad they didn't that was that was another one was, like pose you're like oh you didn't do the obvious stupid you know, cliche yeah. thing like nice. I know but but when she I mean. That was probably the best scene just because it was like the most powerful and impactful of that she showed off all her powers and but just showed off her sheer bravery and selflessness of like, yeah. I don't care what's on the other side of that field because there are people in that village who need my help. So There's it was scored by uh, scored by Greg uh, Rob Rupert Gregson Williams. Oh man, and it was like so typical, so quintessential uh, World War One too. Yeah. But, by the way, I saw a lot of people being really confused that this takes place in World War Two and it doesn't. It's World War One. Yeah. Um, German bad guys are very confusing to people, I guess. Did, but, did the uh, lack of like absolutely no Nazi paraphernalia not show them? That's like I, uh, you know, I don't know some whatever. But the it was so typical World War One looking of this. D this gross muddy open field or just they just sat there and like fired at each other like through grenades and stuff it was so great and just like so perfect to frame her as this you know selfless badass so that she's like well i'll fuck it i'll just go over there like and i'm really strong i'll go do it bye 
such a perfect reveal of her armor. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we'd seen like a couple of hints at it. And then just for that to be the first time you see it was, oh, that was such a cool, yeah, impactful reveal. I also like that, like Taylor touched on it too, that Steve is the sexualized one. Steve was also like the embarrassed one. Yeah, like, it was like right. the prude, like, oh my God, you're not wearing anything. And it's like, well, I'm no, she's all covered up, Steve. Like, settle down, guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you I, that, expect her to fight in those other outfits? Yeah, man. <laughs> and, I, well, and real quick, let's touch on that. Like, I, they must have, I mean, it, it's the same costume to an extent, but you can tell they've, they've dinked with the colors a bit to be much more vibrant, much more visible. Um, at least they're, they're shooting or color correcting that way. So just it, it, it as a costume to me is like as perfect as you're ever going to get. Yeah. Like I, just, I don't think you're ever going to find something more appropriate, both, both, for the time and like sort of, you know, where we are as a culture and use our design sensibilities, but also just practical, you know, practicality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Definitely. it's one of the things that's like, obviously kind of Snyderized, but yeah. um, sure. it, I think it totally works um, with the colors and the armor to it because it's not, um, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it, cause it's not like a bathing suit that's red, white, and blue. You know, oh Jesus! Like, they had it. By the way, before you know how Alamo runs their like pre, uh, you know, like playlist of uh, cool, funny, interesting videos before each movie, and the videos, um, you know, relate to the movie in some way, shape, or form. So they they were doing a bunch of uh, they were showing all the failed Wonder Woman pilots, like you know, oh, like, yeah. like like two or three minutes of them back to back with like some like Adult Swim style like commentary in between, you know, with the the, the black, you know, white text and everything. Um, and so they they showed like the first one. And then, oh, you know, the first one was the worst one. So the first one, it was literally this woman in like, like grandma, granny panty, Wonder Woman, like kind of like shorts and like this sort of like really ill-fitted top. And she was literally posing in front of the mirror for two minutes, not doing anything, but just posing and like, like smiling at herself. And then she like walks out of the bedroom and like walks out of the house. Like she's like a fifties housewife. And I'm like, what is going on? And then, and then like the, you know, the card cuts in and goes, obviously that wasn't picked up after you know, that, that pilot wasn't picked up or turned into a series. I want to go back and find <laughs> that thing because it was so just horrifying. And then it's funny because then like they showed all the other pilots and all the, none of the pilots could ever figure out how to do this right or accurately or you know, they're just all a mess in some way, shape or form. Like the second one that they tried wasn't even, it was a blonde woman who wore like a space, like a space suit. It, it was really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, I, I think it's it was great. like we're we're finally seeing like Amazon armor, you know. Yeah. And during the the you know the battle of the mascara, like that, I, what they were all wearing was like, yeah, that's you know they live on a Mediterranean island. Yeah. And they're warriors. That's what they fight in. It like, just means, I, yeah, yeah. And like Greek warrior dudes wore that same right. thing basically, except maybe no shirt, like that they had no top part to it. Right. So that's why there was a lot of argument. I totally get it. Of it's hard. You know, you don't want them to wear a skirt. You want them to be taken seriously. But like, that's that's legit what they would have worn. Yeah, like, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Three hundred. I mean, that's what yeah. they do. That's, that's that the No Man's Land scene also too for me is just one of those things where she she demonstrates all this stuff, but you can the way she the way uh, Gal Gadot like plays the part or plays that scene, she's she's almost like demonstrating her kind of surprise with how you know how strong she really is. Like every time she deflects a bullet, it's almost like a look of like. I'm doing it. Oh my God. Like it's, you know, like she has, she's, she's not a thousand percent confident in herself because she hasn't been out in the world yet. She doesn't really know like how, you know, what the, right. the depths of her limits actually are. So that's kind of one of the first scenes where she's really, really putting herself out there, really like, you know, testing her limits and like is, and it's working. Well, I, and I'll contrast it with um, uh, another superhero movie, which is in Captain America, the first Avenger. 
that I have a real problem with, which is I can't stand quote superheroes when they just use guns. And mm -hmm. there's like a giant montage of Captain America just riding a motorcycle around and shooting Nazis. <laughs> and yeah. to see her, which always bothered me because Captain America's whole symbol is a shield of like protection and defense, you know? And right. so to see her go out in this like hyper violent situation and, def you know, just block bullets and artillery. And then the first thing she does when she jumps in the trench is smashes a gun to pieces. Mm -hmm. And then she jumps right back out. And it's like the dudes that jump in firing guns at all the Nazis or sorry, Nazis. They're not Nazis, just Germans. Not just, just yet. <laughs> Give them time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but that, you know, I, I just drew a real like clear parallel to that first Avenger scene where, you know, Steve just kicks open doors and shoots people. I didn't like that at all. So, mm -hmm. and then when they get to the town, holy crap. Oh, it was so good. The she ass kicking. The just... <laughs> Does she? Oh God, the dude, the dude in the sniper tower, she just demolishes oh, the whole church. He's dead okay. for sure. Like, yeah, she didn't, she didn't not kill people, but she wasn't, you know, so, so blatant about it. Yeah. You know, she wasn't just like putting a gun into their face and like pulling the trigger. It was like, I have to, to fuck this bullet and maybe it hits you. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I can't control yeah. it. There's a lot of uh, restraint in that scene where she busts through the wall and knocks out all of them in the room and then busts yeah. out the other side of the room. Like it's, oh man, that scene yeah. is so exciting. Like that's another so part where I just got chills. Like, yeah. Well, um, when they made when they made the shield, like when Steve's like, you know, come on, come on, guys, and she's like, Diana's shield. It's just like so he was paying attention on the beach. Yes. Right? You know, it's just like all the little like just the attention to detail that the movie had for itself. You're like, well done, movie. It's mm -hmm. you know, again, it was like the, the turtle that made it to shore, and nothing <laughs> like awkwardly like either not described or over described. You know? Yeah. yeah. I saw them do this on the beach. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, I the last, you know, the the other third big scene that um that I wanted to mention and, and and then we can fill in any other scenes is of course like the uh not so much the big last battle but the Ares reveal. Yes. Yes. Which, okay. Can I just say ask right off the bat, who among you thought that that Ares was actually going to end up being Dr. Poison instead. I did. I was like, it's going to be her for sure. And <gasps> then I was I like, totally as they drew closer, I was like, dude, I don't know if they're going to let a woman villain be in this movie. I, I thought <laughs> A would be a great twist, you know, like for a woman fight. Basically, like, you know, Diana's being brought up to think of Ares as this masculine thing, and it ends up taking a female form for like the most of the movie. I thought that would be, you know, that's the, the obvious twist they're going to try to go down, and I, it'd be fine, but I'm like, well, that's what they're going to do. And then the fact that I wasn't quite convinced until that scene where Steve Trevor walks up to her and starts flirting with her, and she's kind of detached and sort of gazing into the fire. I'm like, oh shit, she's going to be Ares. She's going to be this big misdirect. Mm -hmm. So when it, it was wasn't, a, maybe it was a red herring, like on purpose. Like maybe we were meant I, to think that. God, that I would have even more respect for them if that ended up being the case. Like what we're gonna do because yeah. it worked on me, right? Normally yeah. I can sniff out the stuff from a mile away. So when all of a sudden little David Thewlis is like, "Guess what?" I'm like, "No, what?" Like it just it literally shocked oh. me, and that's that was a feeling I haven't had in a while. What about you, Emily? Were you did you see the Thewlis thing coming? After I kills Ludendorff. Yeah, yeah, I was like, gosh, I, I guess it's somebody else. And I was really kind of hoping it would be Dr. Poison, Dr. Moreau, I think was her name, Morrow. Um, but then as soon as it was him, I was like, oh, God damn it, Remus Lupin. Like, what? what? Why are you doing this? But I, I mean, it ultimately made sense of like, you know, the, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing of 
that it's the person you least expect and that that war isn't always perpetuated by generals or by the military or by by outwardly masculine like violent people that sometimes the the war and death is from the men who sit behind desks and and on the sidelines so i liked it and he's always so good you know he's always so good and especially like in that final battle you know it was mostly cgi at that point plus his voice you know his like um manipulated voice but uh no i liked it I, I liked what they did with it that it wasn't this big scary monster guy the whole time that really only in the end do you see his true form and then it's like it's one of those is like if you can see his true form it's too late like you're gonna yeah. die but i was glad that well, i was glad that they, they let him be david thewlis like i was so convinced that like what well, so once he appeared it was like in that shock wore off i'm like oh he's gonna like disappear and like some giant smoke monster thing is gonna appear <laughs> not even using his voice which is like, you know or just or you know or, or he or he would morph into like some like really hot greek guy and like the helmet would appear <laughs> you know something like that because that, that's always the thing, right? Like the, the actor's just the sh- just the shade, right? It's just yeah. the you know, it's the glimmer form. It's not like the real thing. So it was really cool to see that he is Aries. And then like Todd and I were talking in text, like the flashback to like him with the mustache as like young Aries. You're like, oh my god, they're committing to this. I love like this. it's it's gonna be him. And then he draws like you know when the helmet assembles and he like draws Ooh, the yeah. face out. You're like, you get to see his face most of the time. I'm like, this yeah. is a this was an interesting choice and I it's I'm still not entirely sure if I was if if it was the best choice but I'm so dazzled by it I kind of it's it's hard to I really don't care you know well his speech to her when when he's revealed is like absolutely essential for tying all the Diana themes together you know yeah yeah and um and and I just and it and it's it's so much more chilling when he's like oh, yeah. I, I don't start these wars you know, the humans do this on their own. Like I just whisper things to them. Uh, I, that was so effective. And especially to have him doing that because he is, he, you know, as soon as he, you see him in that like sort of parliamentary meeting, you're, I mean, he's just like this quintessential British, you know, parliamentarian. Like you're like, yeah, that's of course that guy's <laughs> some politician. And I think that he had, there was already sort of a twist with him where he shows up and gives him money and offers him the office. You know, it, it made the the final twist that much like more effective to me because I'd already kind of written him off as like, Oh, that's why he was in the movie was yeah. to be the secret good guy. And then what? when he turns out to be the secret bad guy, it was like, Oh, I didn't <laughs> see that coming. Bad guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's be honest, David Thewlis is not like traditionally the actor you cast to take all the way through the, to the end. He's the one that's like the quirky friend or like, he's got this, he's like this guy, <laughs> you, know, other, you know, obviously naked is a massive, 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 exception to that role but like yeah, most of the, that movie i thought it was the only person who'd ever seen that <laughs> oh jesus no that is oh that's what well, you need to do a whole podcast on naked sometime it it's as anybody who loves improv who has not seen it oh while naked God. yeah well naked no but like he's not so like you think the cast and you're like well they wouldn't and then they they do that clever thing where like danny is it danny hudson uh what's the oh uh the main uh ludendorff's uh actor danny oh god that is name houston Danny Houston. Yeah, Danny Houston. Danny Houston, like you cast him. So it's like, that's not, I mean, he's obviously been a villain before in, in comic book movies. Um, he was the sort of the, the poor man's William Stryker and that thing we don't talk about, but like, he's, <laughs> he's, uh, oh my God. He, he was, man. He was like, he was not Brian Cox. Like that's a whole, uh, <laughs> no, but like he, uh, so he's been around, but it's not like, it's not like a marquee, like, you know, like we got Anthony Hopkins to play, you know, Aries, you know, where it's one of those like, 
you know, very obvious kind of choices. So, but he's still like very serviceable. So you're just like, yeah, you buy that he's going to be Aries. And then you think, oh, this is like a misdirect. So then the fact that there's almost like a, a triple misdirect or double misdirect rather, it just, it didn't, it didn't seem like they were going to try that. And sure enough, he was such a, a Marvel villain. Yeah. He was, yes. He was such an Ultron, you know? <laughs> no, he was, no, he was such a, um, uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can't think of names tonight. Sundance kid. Oh my God. Robert Jeff Redford. Bridges? He was such a Robert Redford oh. in, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause right. Cause like, Robert Redford, when that, when that twist happened too, you're like, I mean, and now granted that twist, twist, uh, twist happens way earlier in the movie. It's like halfway through, you realize that he's got some shady shit going on, but like, you're just thinking like <laughs> shady shit. But you're like, man, Robert Redford's the villain. Uh, really? They're going to go that way with it? Okay. And you're just so like, you know, so you kind of, you're, you're in, you're strapped in more than trying to second guess the movie when they do these kinds of things. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. everything about Wonder Woman, like it just the way it defied all my, you know, it, it assuaged all my apprehensions and it defied all like the little sort of tropes that I thought where it could go awry. Like I, I just bought in by that point. So when even though it was kind of obvious that like she was the God killer mm-hmm. just to, you know, hear him say that and stuff was so like it, just a perfect beat again. Like the rhythm of this movie just landed everything. And well, remember, well, wait, remember when the God killer thing was obvious to us, but there's like six and seven year olds who don't, aren't that savvy. Exactly. Yet. So that's going to be like that, you know, that's going to be like the first big twist. And then all the other stuff's going to be like even more mind blowing by comparison. You know? There is, I, I don't know if you can call it like a, a little, um, it's not a, not a callback. I don't know what we would want to call it, like a reference to that or something. But in Batman vs Superman, when she has the sword, one of them is like a sword. And she says, I've killed much worse things than this. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so when she had that sword, like I had just watched that. So that was in my mind of like, you know, oh yeah, she's got to kill something much worse. So mm-hmm. when he destroys it, I just, I don't know. I was... Like I said, I just bought into everything at that point, so it was um, perfect. Nice, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, just a couple of like wrapping up, like uh, speed round kind of thing. How did we feel about the gang of dudes with her? Um, I did mean, I don't. I, don't, I mean, I liked them. It was kind of hard. Like, I liked them. I get the the need for the ensemble, especially after because you know, like the Batman versus Superman, we saw that photograph of them. So it'd be kind of weird of like, I don't know if they had planned to have them in already, or that was just like a weird thing that happened of like, well, this photo, people really dug it. So they're like, let's put those dudes in the movie. But um, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. It was all planned out because I, I, Snyder yeah, did I the mean, story. And I think he just yeah, knew like, we're going to tell the story of these. I don't know. I, I kind of liked him yeah. only for the sense that it showed the different ways in which war affects men mm, of yeah. of that you know oh. the the one the one sniper the one scottish sniper who's like my the my spirit animal with his kilt and stuff of that <laughs> spud, he spud from spud, spotting. um that he you know he is obviously quite competent and that that steve really respects his skills as a sniper but that he has been damaged like that he, yeah the amount of his ability and his ability to kill people has damaged him somehow um, was really telling. And obviously a very um, common thing that happens to soldiers, Uh, you know, and then the, the native American man was an interesting uh, addition as well as someone who can, who can forgive and, 
like still kind of profit, but that he gives freely. Like that you you had an idea about him at first of like, oh, he's like a war profiteer, but then he's just giving them supplies, like giving these villagers supplies and yeah. help. And even though he and his people have been so um downtrodden that he still has like generosity in his heart was really great. Are we and, well are we meant to, by the way, are we meant to take away that he is Apache chief? I don't that, know. I don't I, think that's canon. I don't think so either. <laughs> well, I just, that's I just, super like, friends cartoon thing. I know, yeah, I know, but it just, cartoon. there was a part of me, I'm like, he's really tall and like his name is Chief and that's all they're, they're not saying Apache, oh but if he says God, he may talk at any time, time. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, thank God they didn't, but I'm like, man, he may say, if he says it, I don't know what I'm going to, I don't know what we're going to do here because it just it had that, yeah, but it was almost like Bartok or, or Bartok the Leaper again in, um, Winter Soldier, where it's like this character, this kind of zany character was like very much normalized and they didn't like, you know, they didn't make a big deal out of it. It's just like, oh, and here's this guy. And so maybe, you know. Yeah. I, th yeah I think that, I mean, that was like my first impression of that. They're probably characters from her very early comics that like most oh. of us would not recognize, but like the most you know, older fans or really, really big fans of Wonder Woman might like glimpse that character, even if they're not the same names. So, but I, I mean, I liked them. I don't know if we really entirely needed them in the story. They didn't have any like particularly big plot points, but they were fun. I mean, they helped break up the, the, the war tornness of the movie, I guess. So, well, they yeah. didn't do that. They didn't do that thing, which I hate. I loathe in movies where a character will meet a, a group of friends or something, or a group of like you know, a ragtag group of some kind. And at, you know, in two days and within the movie, they're all like the bestest of friends. Like, like we went, like we'll never be apart. And you're like, I don't believe <laughs> that bond formed that quickly. So in this one, like they, when they kind of left it, there was just, it was more like, yeah, man, again, like we went through some shit and I respect you, but it wasn't like, you know, they're all like doing some big group hug with tears and everything. Like, you know, yeah. I, I love talking to you guys about this. Cause the one of the things that I hadn't put together until you're both saying this is that they all sort of taught Diana, like a little lesson, you know, there's, yeah. the, there's the shell shocked guy. Um, there's what the native American tells her about his people. And I'll miss you most of all scarecrow. And then <laughs> And then Sammy tells has that great short couple of lines where he's like, "We're all fighting our own battles," mm -hmm. and it was like, "Oh my god, what like a like heartbreaker that was." I just I I don't know that really his purpose in the movie was was fulfilled when he said that to her. You know, I was like, oh, yeah. "I'm glad you're here." He's always but, so good too. That actor is always so good. I liked it too because it demonstrated, you know, the kind of everyone's stake in this war of World War One of the different nations and people who can come together to who fought beside each other. Like uh, I think Sammy is he. I think the actor is French Algerian, so it's yeah. like a North Africa. That was a big field of war yeah. in the next war. So it was kind of it was interesting to see these different kinds of people come together to be with Steve and who trusted Steve and then who ultimately trusted Diana too. Yeah, I think it was important to kind of ground Steve as not yeah. like another lone yeah. wolf, you know, if he if it really had been just the Steve and Diana story, it would have yeah. like I cuz it's I you know, one of the things Taylor and I always talk about is that like uh, and you too, Emily, when we talk about Game of Thrones is like mm -hmm. that, that bouncing off of like skepticism of certain characters, you know, Taylor and I've been talking about this with American Gods lately, but um, just to have Steve talk to who I'm now going to call Spud because I cannot remember who <laughs> that Scottish character's actual name, but uh, just to have him tell him like, you know, you're crazy if you believe all this was, was pretty cool. Like, yes, mm -hmm. you know, you, you need to be told like these crazy myths you believe are crazy and then and then have them get through that and like it's proven that they're wrong that's that's what makes it very cool and believable mm -hmm. um 
I, I'll tell you one person that was underused, even though I don't know her from the comics, is Etta Candy. Mm. Yeah, she's like one of the really, really old school, like in the um, 60s, I believe she was like Wonder Woman's. So like, so Wonder Woman like retires from being Wonder Woman at one point and like oh. goes to be a newspaper reporter, like own a clothing store. And like, she's like normal for the most part. And so I believe Etta is like her gal pal, you know, in these like comics oh. in the 60s of like that they like just hang out together. Just and, like, the Betty friends. and Veronica of those... <laughs> Justice yeah. League or something. It's worth yeah, noting she was she was brought back as well for Grant Morrison's Wonder Woman Earth One. Um, she in a really obnoxious way. Yeah, she's, she's like a, that. That's she's a well sorority girl. She's the, like the president of the sorority that like Diana runs mm. into, and she's like, "We got to get you decked out, girl." And it's just, so in some ways it was sort of like you know elements of what she does in the movie, but just way way not good. It, her as a little British assistant was, I think, kind of a, a nice little framing device for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, she, I was just she happy. Was, like, to... Still woke, you know. She talked about voting and stuff. You know? I loved that. I put that in the notes. Like, I love that yeah. little throwaway line of like, "That's how we'll get the vote." And you could tell, like, <laughs> if they wanted to make a big point out of it, they might have, um, you know, had a discussion on it. But it was dropped off in this way of like, you could tell Diana was confused by that. You know? Yeah, that was. I think we talked about when I joined oh you for God. that like 75th anniversary or 50th anniversary of Wonder Woman podcast. That we talked about yeah. this of like why World War One is such a perfect setting for this movie is because she's coming into this world where women can't even like vote yet. Like yeah, that's right. so weird for her. And that was <laughs> that was when this whole thing about speaking of Alamo draft house of all these female oh, only yeah. screenings. And I was like, cool, well, you guys have had male only voting for like <laughs> so just let us maybe have this i don't know like, I, I, heard, I heard taylor gasping in the background i hope yes. that was when he realized that that was played by dawn from the british office. oh my yeah. god that's yeah. exactly <laughs> what i was thinking how the hell did you know that? what the heck because i knew that that's who it was but i was frantically googling oh, her scary. office character's name because oh, i was Jesus. like god what was her office character's name and then i hear taylor doing that right as i'm looking at it <laughs> Because you're like looking at your face and you're like, why do I know her? Well, no, I was looking at the IMDb page and I was like scrolling down and it said Eddie Candy. And I saw the, the profile picture. I'm like, who's that? And yeah, then I, this blonde I pulled lady. it up and I was like, oh, and as soon as I saw the picture, I'm like, oh God, it's Dawn. And I scrolled down. I was like, how <laughs> is that the same person? Like it's just, A couple of her facial expressions, like as soon as it happened in the movie, I was like, where have I seen this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I can't believe so. you're, you know, wasn't exactly she in Shaun of the Dead too? She was, yeah, the, the yeah. sister, the girlfriend, yeah, yeah, she was good in that too. <laughs> Not as successful as Martin what? Freeman, I'm afraid. She's, you know, she's had her her moments, but uh, Martin's yeah. kind of she's awesome. Um, Martin's outlived uh, Ricky Gervais, which is mm-hmm. <laughs> never thought I'd say that anyway. Uh, okay, so based on this, hopes and fears for Justice League, how are you feeling? Um. You know, I'm feeling I'm feeling better, uh, and I just kind of hope that Justice League is only Wonder Woman, but also <laughs> Aquaman. Some just some Aquaman with a sprinkling, you know, a sprinkling of Aquaman with mostly Wonder. But no, no, I no. mean, I'm I'm uh, I will say I'm really sad for for Zack Snyder. Like what happened to him oh, and his yeah. family is fucking terrible and awful. And I'm glad that he and his wife, his producing partner has taken time like to heal themselves and their family. And so, and I'm actually not just because Wonder Woman, I'm actually feeling slightly better because Joss is such a good closer of things. Yes, and, yes. and Joss mm. is, 
I think he respects Zach enough, like, you know, that they said, they kept saying this of like, no, you know, the the film itself is not going to change. Joss is just going to like make sure the editing goes through or like film any pickups or whatever. Joss is really good at making sure ensemble things uh, make sense and that the characters get the screen time that they deserve in a way that makes sense. So I'm, I'm, feeling better partially because of wonder woman was really good. And partially because Joss, who's a director and a person I really respect is going to be overseeing the finalization of the movie. Now I may have read a little too much into it, but just the way you actually brought up sucker punch without a tone of total disgust. Oh, I love sucker punch. Okay. So, and Taylor and I are, Oh, I, we have varying degrees of Snyder fandom. You yeah. know, we're not like total defenders of him, but um, like for yeah. example, I thought he did fine with Watchmen. I have no problem with that at all. Yeah, but other other. <laughs> I I liked Sucker Punch too, but it's very difficult to discuss because it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, like I definitely problematic film. Uh, yeah, it's it's when I saw it as a younger, less woke woman, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, I liked it a lot because it was you know a bunch of female heroes doing it for themselves, and yes, it was hypersexualized, and there was a lot of gross, creepy stuff that happened. But I, the soundtrack was great. You know, it was it was this really cool uh, thing of like that girls can cut robots with swords and like yeah. be heroes and get away and get away from their abusers and, and punish their abusers and stuff. Um, but yeah. And 300 is probably one of my favorite movies. Like just the, that, that, and his style of filmmaking was so perfect for that. Just as is, and I think, I mean, that's how he got this job, right? If he mm-hmm. took a comic book, that's kind of yeah. out there and weird and has now made an entire world to, out of comic book movies. I, mm-hmm. So Yeah. His, uh, yeah, his achievements cannot be denied, I think, in the For comic sure. book movie world. I, Emily, you don't know this story, but I've probably told it on this podcast where I actually watched the Watchmen director's cut in a special screening at San Diego Comic-Con with oh. Zack Snyder, like moderating the panel. So he was just talking about it, like as we watched it. And he was so awesome and like, you know, just just normal and fun. Yeah. And, and like, he's, he's a geek, just like us, you know, yeah, he, exactly. he loves these characters in this world just as much as us, which I think can get, you know, it trips you up sometimes. Yeah. I mean, look at us, like we just talked for two hours about a character that we really love. And so I forgot <laughs> to say this before of like that me, I don't know, Patty Jenkins is like relationship with Wonder Woman or comic books, but maybe the fact that she wasn't so close to mm. the characters and the mm. world and, you know, such so invested in telling the story she wanted to tell rather than the story that should be told helped a lot in that. Mm. So I think I, that's my hope for Justice League as well, is that they, under the, the, the now a watchful eye of Jeff Johns, that hopefully they can kind of rein that in a little bit of going back to the characters at their very core and their core values um, that they form a team, you know, that that all that the characters are the ones that we know and love, but that still fit in this universe that Zack Snyder has so masterfully started to create. Mm. Yeah, I uh, Taylor, what about you? What are your uh, hopes and fears for Justice League? Well, I was I had been sort of optimistic about Justice League, but after seeing this movie. I'm kind of like, I don't know, man. Like, I'll see it. And <laughs> even, I'll, more, even more I'll, apprehensive because of how good this was. Yeah, because it's like, I don't want her cluttered up with other stuff. Like, I want her to, like, have her, like, she needs to be, like, it just felt like 
it, we were going to get like a, a, a half-hearted, like sort of, you know, throwing in a wonder, you know, at, and here she is. And I, I want to see, you know, surely they anticipated some success with this movie. So she'll have this, obviously a prominent role, but I'm, I'm guessing all the marketing for Justice League shifts in a big, big way yeah. to be very Wonder Woman centric from this point on. Like well, I'm, I'm, you know, she's going to be the so. center, center of all the posters. It's going to be very much that way. So I'll, I'll definitely see it, but I'm just, I, part of me almost wishes in a perfect world of my creation, there would have been, there would have been this, this, this would have been the Iron Man of the DCU. And this would have, it would have been like the Dark Knight Rises with like a different ending where Batman doesn't die. You know, it's, it's something else happens. And then there'd be the same time period. And then there would be this, and then you'd build into Justice League without even revealing your plans for Batman, and you you bring back Christian Bale like later. But this, she's the she's the genesis of the whole thing. So just that that idea that 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 need to have that, I'm just kind of like, there's another version of the DCCU that works really really well based off of this movie that I feel you know we should have at some point. Well, yeah. I, I can't let a podcast go by without acknowledging that like two years ago Taylor said. He hoped Wonder Woman would be the Captain America of the DCU. And now more than ever, I'm like, yes, she should be the team leader and the center of this. And so that's all I'm hoping for from Justice League is that, um, although it looks really heavily like Batman is the leader. (laughs) but Yeah. And I mean, that's not, say what you want about like Ben Affleck's Batman. I think he's a fair Batman for the Batman they're trying to portray. But I mean, that was Batman's like silent role. Like Superman was always the face of the leader of the Justice League, but Batman was always, as Batman does, working in the shadows to make sure that they were all safe and protected. So I would like that, you know, they were trying to pretend like the Superman's really dead. Um, We're pretending really hard. So, but maybe, maybe Wonder Woman will be the open face of Justice League and Batman will be in his shadows hanging upside down, like making sure everything's okay. Yeah, They're doing reshoots right now. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. They're doing reshoots right now. Like from the few, I don't think I've ever read a Justice League title intentionally, but from the <laughs> ones where I've read where they tie it in, I always like it when Batman's not the acknowledged leader. Like he's yeah. the kind of force of chaos in the background and, and Wonder <laughs> Woman and Superman are really leading the team. Um, I don't know. I, yeah. You know, I'm just glad Green Lantern's not in it. Green Lantern is not in it. So I would also just really like to see like a, a beauty contest between Wonder Woman and Aquaman because that's like a hard, I mean, the, their hair, I don't know. It's really a tough, it's really a tough call. I don't know. Well, it this looks like, salty. <laughs> it looks like, though, for, I, like I like it. that. I like the comparison though. Cause like of, of the next movies, I want to see an Aquaman movie before anything else. Like I want that next. Like, I don't think we need a Justice League just yet. I want to see what James Wan does, you know, and is, is his going to be, have a point of view that's also unique and interesting. You know, that could, Aquaman could be really badass because nobody, there's not that same familiarity that everybody has for Batman or everybody has for Superman. Like, Aquaman's one of those things where it's like, kind of like Iron Man, where it's like, yeah, people know him, but like, nobody has these like very hardened, you know, like years and years of like content and history, you know, outside of comics to really fashion a, a, an opinion. So like, it's really open, you know, fresh powder if you will to ski down mm-hmm. um you know that's so jason momoa can kind of do what, whatever he wants and hopefully craft something as he could be the wacky 
Thor character of the DCU. I mean, really, I, that, I think that would that's be exactly what he's going to be. I think. Yeah. Have you seen that GIF? And it's for Justice League, and they're like, it's like him and Wonder Woman and Flash, and they're like very serious, like getting ready. He's flipping his trident around, and then it falls. So he just starts to do karate moves, and then he rips Wonder Woman's <laughs> sword out of her sheath in the back. Where is this? <laughs> it was like a. It was like in one of the promo things about. Uh, for, I think it was for Comic-Con. Like it was like a uh, footage, like unedited footage. So they just see this big green screen behind them. And so it's like, they're getting ready for this epic battle. You can tell. And Jason Momoa is like flicking his trident around, like going to be all badass. And then it falls. And so, but he just like recovers so perfectly. Where yeah. Like he's, it's really funny. So you should, you should find it because I look at it almost every day and laugh. And I'm just, I'm yeah. like, please be put, please put this in the movie because I need it. <laughs> I just uh, I just uh, texted it over to Taylor. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Um, any final <laughs> thoughts on Wonder Woman? Anything I left out? Like any big points you wanted to talk about? Um, no, just I love her. <laughs> I'll, well, I, I'll bring up one thing, Emily. That based on that is that when we started this episode, uh, you said you know you liked Wonder Woman, but she wasn't your favorite. Yeah. And I felt the same way. Like I went the next day I was going through all my comics and I was like, oh, you know, Batgirl, 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 Batgirl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and, um, and I went to the comic book shop and started looking at Wonder Woman books. Like I've tried to get into her before, but I really like what a cool thing to have a movie so good that I'm like immediately at the comic book store. Like I got, where do I start? You know? Yeah. And I hope more people are like that too. And I mean, I think that's kind of, that was Marvel's thing too, of like people who'd never really read comic books before who are in these characters now are serious comic book buyers. And so I hope this really inspires, especially women, you know, to get to your comic book store and not just because she's a woman, but because she's really badass. But you know, I, I am a DC fan girl for life. You know, my favorite female, my favorite hero is the Huntress from the DC universe. Mm-hmm. And so, so weird. I know. I so <laughs> I don't know. You have a I whole just, Huntress podcast to, to pull this apart. Really, please, need to. my God, it's the best. So the birds are praying stuff. But for so long, and I'm sure most women listening to this who are around my age or a little bit older, you know, for so many years, the only female heroine that we could find and recognize and stuff was Wonder Woman. If the, she was the only one that had merchandise, she was the only one, if you said her name in a group that people would know who she was, she was the only one who probably had the biggest, you know, the as big a following as Superman and Wonder Woman. So for me, like she was always so important because she was the, the shining light of like female heroism in comics. Um, so like, yeah, like she's not my fave, but I still really like her and appreciate her and appreciate all she's done. Especially like this movie really, really is icing on the cake of, of 75 years or whatever it is, 50 years of her. I mean, they just did everything right in this movie, you know, and like to that extent of they couldn't have done that 10 years ago or, you know, so this was, yeah. Taylor, do you have final thoughts on this? How do you come to this as a new wonder woman fan? I'm just going to sum this up thusly. Brie Larson better be thinking about oh. what she's going oh. to do. Because I think for the first time, the Stakes. spotlight's back on Marvel where it's like, what what you got? Like, you know, Marvel this whole time just been like, pang, pang, pang. And DC's like, come on, man. And finally DC's like, oh, yeah. You know, like that little kid who finally hits a home run and everybody's like, ooh. But it's only going to get, you know, the, the gauntlet has been laid down. So I – When fact does Captain Marvel come out? 2019 oh. still ways yeah. away. They but could for, have yeah. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be ironic justice if they if Mar if Warner Brothers rushes a Wonder Woman Two. sequel 
and well, puts it in, in the that same time day and puts oh. it in the same day. Because remember what happened? Batman v Superman was scheduled for that May date last year that um, <laughs> Civil War popped in on, yeah, and Marvel like, stuck that right there. And DC's like, oh. so then DC moved, we'll move. <laughs> and and then Deadpool crushed it in the beginning of the year. Yes, yeah. and then DC's like, come on. So it's, it'd be amazing if they're like Wonder Woman two right on the same day. Come on, <laughs> Ooh, man, that. Ah, uh, I mean, Wonder play. Woman. Wonder Woman would get my opening day dollars. I think if that happened. Yeah, but yeah. Brie Larson and Gal would like go to the theater together and like hold hands oh, and like see both movies together. That's because, right. You're right. They totally because would. they're just both amazing, wonderful human human beings. <laughs> yeah. Maybe then all this madness would stop. This bitterness. Yes. <laughs> I know between the DC and the Marvel. Um, <laughs> Emily, where can people find you off of uh, this podcast? Uh, well, you can always find me on social media at that Emily Kelly on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me uh, right here on the There Network. Um, it doesn't always work out like we planned, guys. But uh, so we're sorry that there was no fan theories <laughs> oh, yeah. for May. We're sorry. Um, we really, really wanted to do Alien, and like, no joke, we bought like the Alien like 25th anniversary like, box set, yeah, and watched all of them. And then we just like could not get. So we'll do it. We will do an Alien eventually, an Alien fan theories because there's a lot of really good ones. But um, of, for June, we really want to do. Game of Thrones. Yes. So to to prep in in for for July, and of course, um, you guys have Wednesday and Westeros. So I think we're gonna do some fun double double crossover. fan theories Westeros crossover episode. Yeah, of our own. like that Miss Marvel Wonder Woman hand holding event. We're gonna do yes, the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. The fan theories podcast and Wednesday and Westeros. Yes, but you can also catch the, the our previous fan theories right here on the Their Network as well as uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. I don't. You mentioned Geek Directive. I didn't know about this. Or is this oh, a I'm. Podcast? Yeah, no, no. That was a that was Assembly of Geeks. Uh, oh, but okay. It's now yes. called Geek Directive. But no, no, I haven't been on that one. But if you enjoyed that podcast when I was on it, you should still listen to it because um, yes, uh, it's they're still around. really good. Yeah. Cool. Taylor, uh, where can people find you if they want to yell at you about your um, Brie Larson opinions? Oh, well, you can find <laughs> all Brie Larson opinions given and taken at, at Taylor Tresk on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, also just any anywhere you see us online, uh, there.network is the website. And, you know, look us up on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere else. And, Stitcher. Uh, Stitcher. And yeah, to oh, listen. Oh, yeah, Stitcher. Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Google Play, <laughs> the pods of the world out there. Uh, yeah, why am I the only one using Google Play? It's so awesome. You can find me at Hey Tade on Twitter. Um, Emily, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy that you uh, could be uh, available to be on our Wonder Woman podcast. We always love talking to you, and especially about this. And Taylor, thank you, and thank all of you for listening. And we will see you soon 